0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is
1: sponsored by Texture. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere using your smartphone or tablet. Right now, Texture is offering our listeners a 14-day free trial when you go to Texture.com slash BadChristian. That's 14 days to try Texture for free when you go to texture.com
0: slash bad christian. And today's show is also sponsored by Zeal. Are you looking for an in-home, on-demand massage at just an hour's notice? Go to zeal.com right now to receive $25 off your first massage by using the promo code badchristian at checkout. That's Z-E-E-L.com, promo code badchristian for $25 off your first Massage.
2: You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast.
1: I believe I can fly, Pastor Joey. Do you believe you can fly? I believe I I can can touch the sky. Three, two, one. I think
0: about it every night and day, day. (laughs) Spread my wings and fly away like a Bad Christian Podcast.
1: Why Joey, why do you always got to make it so mean? Like I I start singing a soft song and you you go hard. Yeah, you just why keep do you it always... sweet sometimes. Yeah, I know. Why can't we just keep it nice and sweet
0: and kind? Hmm. Okie doke. I me and uh, Georgia listen to the R R Kelly song the Ignition Remix where he's talking about the freaking weekend. We like Oh that. yeah. We listen to that. Yeah, my, my kids, a...
1: my kids love that. Yeah.
0: But it's not it's not good to endorse or condone R. Kelly culturally overall. He's gotten away with a lot, so I will I will withdraw any direct support for, from one R. Kelly.
2: Well, as as the pastor, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm standing away from secular. Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't do that secular shit. That's one thing I don't do You don't fool with no secular. No, I you can't uh uh-uh. I don't I don't invite Satan himself into yeah. my life. Just There's a, yeah,
2: definitely a Christian substitute for R. Kelly, I promise. Just go to the <laughs> There's Christian. There's gotta be a store. valid
0: yeah, substitute for everything secular that there could be.
2: Which I, I said this on an
0: earlier <laughs> episode, but the word secular drives me crazy. Because ninety nine point nine percent of all things that exist are secular, but the Christian culture would have you believe secular it, is this tiny fraction of stuff to avoid. But whatever. I hate it because it sounds like nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's supposed to be pronounced secular?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody understands how to even say the word. That's Just, what pisses me like
0: Nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay, so there's a couple of cities <laughs> uh, I've got problems with, and those cities are St. Louis and Cincinnati. Come on, I hate those. Oh, hate do you no, want to know I why? I'm, I tell you what, why? I got two cities that are on my good list, and those are Nashville both and secular. Atlanta. Okay, and, and all four of those are secular cities. I will, I will give yeah. you that. But we, what's as wrong you, with St. Louis and Cincinnati? Well, I don't understand. You, you're mad. We in the band Emory have. Shows coming up that we just announced recently. Oh yeah, um, in St. Louis and Cincinnati, and the ticket buying public hasn't really gotten behind it yet. And I don't. You can't blame me for that, right? You can't blame me, and you can't blame our marketing. I mean, we did the best we could. Now, and you can't blame our music. Have you, you ever heard blame Waltz? the music? So good I, lord, I, there <laughs> has to be something wrong with the cities because those cities. Yes, we added them later after we had the Nashville, Atlanta, but those city sold a million tickets immediately and those are real numbers a million we We're playing one million cap rooms and they're sold out but right. st louis and cincinnati hadn't picked up yet so i'm repeating your name many times and i'm saying there's something wrong with you to get your attention but i'm really trying to suck up to you until you buy tickets to our shows we've added a couple of shows there's lots of, let me tell you this there's lots of cities in the world where people are begging us to come and we chose cincinnati and st louis so yeah you
1: know on march 18th and march 19th right. matt is when we chose those cities so don't make me regret we, it and that's right before my birthday my <laughs> birthday is march 22nd st louis cincinnati you're not going to celebrate that's with disrespectful
0: As, if you think about <laughs> it you,
1: i mean how could you not want to see a 41 year old man just go off on stage for
0: seven dollars i mean it's for seven damn dollars you wouldn't do that that i mean that's worth 100 And it's going to sell well, but I just I am disappointed in those cities.
2: Toby, how much jumping around do you have left in your tank, dude? Here's the thing. I don't really jump
1: anymore. I do a faux jump where it looks like I'm kind of <laughs> jumping, but my feet never leave the ground.
0: <laughs> is that That's in the less is more category. Right, right. right. It, it looks really cool. Which is really a phrase cool. that I dis- yeah. dislike. but
1: it, it looks really cool, but it saves my knees. You know, I've got all, uh, my important.
0: wife as at such, you know, how she's been nice to me since my mom passed away. Or died. I like to say died. I mean, I don't have to. Passed away sounds so funny when people say it, but it sounds. I find myself gravitating toward passed away sometimes, but I'll stick with died. Since I my agree mom with you. Died, can I say yeah? Can I say ahead. why I agree with you? You're exactly right. It, if you died, it,
1: it's bad. Yeah. it's hard. Like passed away right. seems too flighty yeah, yeah, and it's fruity. Like, like, it's uh, like uh, you it's know like what I mean. You
0: go to say died, and you go, well, I want to soften this, and you go with passed away. You know, that's what it really is, right? But anyway, what yeah. I hate is passed he passed funny. i'm yeah. like it's funny. what so
2: he took a test that's good <laughs> right i mean he passed yeah. the damn test
0: <laughs> really passed so anyway she'd been pretty nice to me since my mom passed on there's another one um but uh she's maybe crept back into her old habits because i got one of the, the most disrespectful affirmative response i've ever gotten in my life <laughs> a couple of days ago i asked her something about the trash going out or is it recycle day and trash day something Like that. I'm looking for an affirmative response. And then I'm in the kitchen. She's in the living room on the couch. And she gives me, speaking to your stage move where you kind of bounce and you make a lot out of it, she gives, looks at me in the eyes and gives me an extremely slow, just under one degree affirmative head nod like this. (laughs) <laughs> very disrespectful i felt like it was like bait not even one degree of chin motion up right. and down like she didn't even move her head up and down an inch she it, no not even nowhere close to an inch right. like, a, like somewhere maybe two centimeters of chin motion down and up very slow That's to the awful. point where i had to say Are, did, was that an affirmative head nod was that even what that was because that was the most disrespectful affirmative thing i've ever received in my whole life like i'm not worth a full degree or two of chin motion to uh, to answer my question. I found it very disrespectful.
2: I can tell you were brought up at Mars Hill. Good <laughs> lord!
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. that's true. All right, so we'll move into that. Um, <laughs> Joey, your episode of, I, I have a breaking, some breaking to tell y'all that y'all don't know yet too, by the way. Oh, I Holy like shit. the sound of that. I love it. I'm excited. But we're, guess what? We have a drunk ex-pastor on the show today, so we're going to talk about church and the state of evangelical society and and where, and where those things are, and drinking, uh, obviously. But um, Joey, your episode on Pastor With No Answers this week is so good, and I'm very excited about it, and we're going to air that episode with a you know, over here on this feed because I want so many people to hear it, and I don't know if it's because I'm right. too close to it, but it was you talking to somebody that, um, was at Mars Hill, a, a lady that was at Mars Hill named Jen, who was there from '96. Her child was the first child born at Mars Hill. Yeah. Was there almost all the way through the end when they when she and her husband was on staff left. I left at that same exact time. Um, but the interview and her her telling her story, which is so brave and so awesome. I'm so excited about that. There's finally people this close to that event that are going to be willing to talk about it and share. And what you, the way you talked to her was great. So stay tuned. We're going to air that um, in a little bit. And really, it's not about Mark. and It's not about th- that church or whatever. But there's so many things that came out in her interview that are like, yeah, this is what churches are like. And so much of it right. reminded me of politics. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what politics is like. And really, it's just, yeah. oh, that's what power and systems are like. And there's so, gosh, I hope everybody understands these things are these powerful structures. It doesn't matter who they are or what they are. Even if they're good things or true things, they are they get really tangled up quickly and become uh, manipulative and exploitative. They just do. And so churches aren't immune from that. And this is a good example. So I'm really looking forward to that. But while we were just podcasting on my phone, I just got a Twitter notification. This is no joke. <laughs> um, Tullian Chavidich just DM'd me while we're talking. No. <laughs> nice. yeah. This is really great. But he DM'd me and said that he really, he said he found the podcast where we were talking about him a year ago and he won. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't think it was too nice, if I recall correctly. And we may have <laughs> talked about him in the recent future, even worse. I'm not really sure. But uh, he said, He's he a won- sweet dude. He's a sweet dude. I love the guy. <laughs> That's what I've always said. But he said, I want you to know, as surprised you may be to hear this, that I really enjoyed and appreciated it. Thank you guys for your candor and honest insight. Many mercies to you three.
2: Wow. Wow!
0: Crazy, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what a hell of a guy. <laughs> I mean, he's one of, the, he, one of the best pastors I've ever known. <laughs> I, know. I, I, I think know. he's the smartest.
2: He's definitely <laughs> he the smart. smartest pastor I've ever heard of.
0: <laughs> well, I, and, you know, he has his own story, and I don't think that story's over. And there's some, to be honest, there's some messy stuff that I've read uh, even about him in the last. <laughs> like a couple of months. Yeah. And 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 so it's that's what's so crazy about church culture, especially even worse than politics. Politics, at least there's all there's these other sides that are validated and allowed to really dig in and expose stuff. And with church, it just isn't. It's just you don't ask questions. Anybody that tries to say anything against anybody in the church is discounted and not listened to or seen as a, a, a vile thing. And that's a problem. But overall, I am certain, like, it's kind of become clear to me that, and I don't think we're super important as the Bad Christian Podcast, but with Toby doing that interview on NPR last weekend, our numbers are up. We were number one on the charts above Joel Osteen, and Liturgist is number one overall. But we were, for a minute, we were number one. But Liturgist and Bad Christian Podcast are number one and two on iTunes. Because we did, amazing, not randomly, because NPR featured a story on us, which isn't random either. There's a reason why they are listening to what we're doing. There's a reason yeah. why people like Tilly and Chividich will message me. And it's not because I'm smart or accomplished or know anything. It's not that. It's just, here's what I really want everybody to get. Things are changing. People are noticing. No credit, not podcast, not me, us, but this is a phenomenon at large that people are understanding what Church power structures, cultural systems are politics. What? How is Mark Driscoll similar to Donald Trump? I mean, there's there's no matter what these things. We, we're starting to figure this out. We're, we're yeah. Maybe we've been a couple of steps behind the curve for the last couple of decades, and a lot of people have been able to exploit a lot of people as a result. But man, I think stuff's shifting. That's all. That's all I can tell you is I feel that. Not because oh, we have all this success coming. It's not that. It's just people like us, people doing stuff, drunk ex pastors, anybody. I mean, I really feel like the culture's changing. So stay with I mean you're with totally it, everybody.
2: You're totally gonna ask Tertillian to, to to uh to be on the podcast. Yeah, I'll, right? I'll, I'll type you it right now. What do you want me to type I'll to and <laughs>
0: say Yeah, man, love to have you on soon, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. we say say, hey, we were just no. on NPR, so it's a great uh <laughs> <have> been <laughs> Always use NPR.
1: Can I say something real quick though? Like it's kind of frustrating. Like <laughs> NPR hit up joey they wrote joey specifically somehow i ended up on npr till in of he dms matt all i ever get is carl from sandusky
3: hey man why you
1: cuss <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't ever get anybody famous there's never anybody that dms me where i'm like holy shit let me tell the world that never happens why why does why does great why do great people DM you guys, and I get nothing. <laughs> I get zero. It really kind of hurts my feelings.
0: You just get like <laughs> angry. Well, you know, white men. That's your cult, right? That's what is that? It's that's cult. what the true man is. It's all just a bunch of disenfranchised white men with privilege that don't get it, right? Uh, yeah, w-
1: one of the guys that came, David Hamilton, who's a who's a friend, uh said that the the true man
0: experience is basically just like the movie The Revenant tell people it's just, what the true man experience is i don't i don't think that our audience thank you man really necessarily yeah, uh, got the well, full grasp on it what it is but. R-
1: r- r- real quick true man experience is uh just uh my longing to get men meeting together again uh, men meeting now is weird it's either like the uh shriners or uh the masons so it's either dudes in weird hats Riding go karts and parades, or people trying to take over the world, or Christians just, that I, only talk I, about
2: I, bouncing eyes.
1: Right, right, exactly. It's it's just unreal. It's not real. And so uh, I am started this True Man Experience, and it's just men <laughs> men me getting together, and uh, we talk about a lot of stuff. It's really good. And so I'm actually doing uh, four more events in April, April sixth through the ninth. I'm doing Indianapolis, Grand Rapids, Chicago, and St Louis which I love, even though you hate them, man. And so uh, in April, April 6th of the night, uh, email me at Christian to find out more, but it's really amazing. I I just did it in Florida, and I just, I, I promise you, I walk away from each event just blown yeah. away how much I learn and how much I get to be a part of it. It so, seems yeah. great. Toby uh,
0: did one at my house even. It was awesome. So what is, uh, that's right. so the email is
1: what, Toby? TobyBadChristian at gmail.com. And you're right, Jared, Jared came to the one in Fort
2: Lauderdale and
0: didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, I just loved, uh, what he brought to the, brought
1: yeah, to he the emailed group.
2: me and said he really enjoyed it. So and really yeah. And, it.
0: and emory music.com. I don't think I said earlier for these St. Louis people, if you want to get the Emory tickets too. anyway, uh, it's probably true. Like some of y'all were making fun of a second ago that guys and men's group in Christianity, I would say that ninety seven point five percent of all conversation of Christian men is simple. Uh, uh, uh accountability, how's your walk talk? That's it. That's, that's oh, it. Yeah. Like ninety something percent of men, Christian men communicating is is the simple back and forth of asking, have you looked at porn, yes or no? How's right. that going? And that's about yeah,
2: it. I'm telling that's you, about it. I'm telling you. <laughs> When you're in a coffee shop in the mornings in the Bible Belt, oh I man, can always spot the Thousands two, and like, <laughs> thousands of men confessing like, pornography to each other. All I have to do is to just look other. at them, and I'm like, that is either accountability partners or a mentor and the Christian yeah. guy that's learning from them. And every time I'm right because they end in prayer every right. single time. But here's the problem. When I'm meeting with with someone along the same lines, I guarantee you we stand out just like that as well. It's just, it's crazy.
1: I've seen so many pastors at Starbucks with somebody for sure. I've seen a million
2: times. I want to say something real quick about the Mars Hill deal. But before we do that, Toby, you wanted to talk about uh, texture, I think.
0: Okay, let us just take a break. We, t- say whatever you want to say, and we'll take a break and do all the ads. And we we need to bring our junk ex pastor buddy Jason on. He's waiting on us. So. Okay,
2: yeah, my comments so, can wait. Yeah, you, well, let's talk wait. with yeah. him. He,
0: he he's up to date on everything. So just bring him in, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. All right, great. Um, but let's go ahead and do the let's do these. Uh, take care of our sponsors. Yeah, Joey, thank you for the horrific transition into <laughs> I this. Hey, I'm
1: Once with again. you on that one. <laughs> <I'm with you. laughs> Hey,
0: I want to say something, but first, tra- what did he tra- say? He said, now let's talk about the Mars Hill thing. But first, I think Toby wants to talk about texture.
1: <laughs> I think Toby I think Toby wants to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't even just talk about like, Toby, you like, you couldn't work in magazines so or, we- or like my love of magazines,
0: anything <laughs> like this is what you did.
3: Like, think, think of people that don't know I what think texture something is. Toby
0: wants to say. <laughs> I am I got a word from Toby. He has a word for y'all. Toby, give us your word. told me
1: to tell y'all that Toby has. <laughs> All right. Even though I got the worst transition, the worst intro before this, I do want to talk about texture.com. It is awesome. And I love, I, I'll tell you what. We get to work with some amazing sponsors, and uh, I, I think it's so cool that we do a podcast and that our sponsors uh, love our podcast. We, we talk to them all the time uh, and, and how great they, they think that what we're doing and, and we think that what they're doing, and, and I love that we get to really like our sponsors. We get to really enjoy what they offer, and that's what's so cool, and that is exactly the truth with Texture. Uh, the Texture app has gone beyond delivering just the magazine itself. They've made it easy to find and enjoy articles you want to read with daily recommendations, exclusive interactive features, videos, and more. And and, and this is at a time when it feels like it's never been harder to find the truth. I mean, supporting the free press is critically important, everybody. From its inception, Texture has supported journalism not just by offering access to great magazines, but also financially. A portion of every subscriber's fee goes directly to the publisher's. Texture features some of the most trustworthy, credible publications in the world, such as Time Magazine, The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and many, 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 many others. Texture is a go-to source to access not just your favorite magazines, but also the latest and greatest in investigative journalism, U.S. politics, and domestic international news. Now, here's the truth. I'm just going to be honest. It's going to make me look stupid, but I love, uh, like the ESPN magazine. I, I, I love Sports Illustrated. I love those. I, I always just kind of lean towards those magazines. But I'll be honest as well. <laughs> I, sometimes I end up looking at some of the magazines that my wife likes. Like uh, she'll have Red Book, and I'll say How to Please a Woman. I'll read some of those articles. <laughs> or, or, or HGTV. I, li- I, I actually like Home Improvement and What You Can Do With Your Home. I, I just like those things. So what's really cool about Texture is I get all of them. I don't have to feel stupid by standing in line at the grocery store and and buying an HTV uh, magazine. I I get to have it right on my device. And here's the cool thing. Texture is searchable. You can mark what you like, check out back issues, uh, view bonus video content, and they even curate articles and magazines just for you. Texture is normally $9.99 a month, and you get over 200 magazines. But if you sign up right now at texture.com, Slash bad Christian, you get a 14-day free trial. Two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Two weeks of all the magazines you could ever want. Why subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you can have all of your favorites on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less? So right now, Texture is offering our listeners 14-day free trial when you go to texture.com slash bad Christian. That's 14 days to try Texture for free when you go to Texture.com slash bad Christian. Texture.com
0: slash bad Christian. Right on. Thank you, Toby. So have y'all ever gotten a massage and you like gone to like the spa? And so I just remodeled and made an apartment in the back of my house. So I think about these things. I go into a massage place and I see the, the lights and I see the wood trim and I see the drywall and I see the electricity. I see the phone lines. I see the internet. I see all the offices. I see all the equipment and tables that they have in there. And I think, well, I guess I'm paying for this. Now, let me tell you about Zeal and why Zeal is so cool. Because they have a license; we have eight thousand licensed massage therapists who bring with them a massage table, music, and supplies, and they come to your house that you've already paid for, and thus can pass savings on to you. They don't need the brick and mortar, stupid spa place with the incense and the weird music playing. They come to your place, and you get a massage within hours. It's amazing. They've got an iPhone, Android app. Um, let me tell you how it's spelled. Z-E-E-L.com. And uh, you can schedule, you can book. Payment is fast and easy. The tip is already included, so you don't do it. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, not closed like the spas do. Uh, Zeal Massage Therapist can be at your door in as little as an hour. And it's private. It's convenient. There's quality. It's comfortable. And that's that's what you want with a massage. Now, the the thing that's great about them is these massage pe- therapists are licensed and they've been highly rated and by all the other people that use them so they're actually more qualified and more verifiable than somebody that you would go into a brick and mortar place to get a massage from anyway you can see their reviews and everything right on the on the app um so find out why zeal's been featured in the wall street journal new york times vogue and good morning america bring the spot to you and try zeal today seriously today like this same day you can get a massage, and you know you need one. So to help you get started, here's the best part. Not only is it a good deal already, but our listeners get $25 off their first massage if they use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. That's com dot com, and make sure to click add the promo code at checkout to use our code BADCHRISTIAN. Right now, com or on Zeal's iPhone or Android app, get a special offer when you try it today. Promo code BADCHRISTIAN for $25 off. If you get massages, do this for us, do it for you. $25 off, Zeal.
2: Guys, how do y'all feel when y'all hear the word Indochino? Happy? Very ecstatic. Yeah for real. So when I became a pastor, my mom, she steps in, she's like very motherly. She says, we got to get you a suit. And your dad and I, we talked about it, We're going to buy it for you. I was like, wow, that's very generous. She takes me to Belk. And I did so many weddings and uh, funerals in that suit. And it I just, I, I seriously did not feel good because I just didn't Fit well it's kind of baggy, and, and it, honestly, it wasn't stylish. And I, you know, my wife was trying to be nice about it, but she felt the same way. So here comes, <laughs> uh, here comes Indochino, and uh, it, they're they're revolutionizing just just getting suits because I'm telling you, from the easy step by step directions that you do from your computer and getting all your measurements and all that stuff to basically hitting submit. To the unbelievably low prices, to getting the suit it, in the mail, you don't even have to go anywhere to get all the measurements. It's it's just it's unbelievable. So talk about it, it's it's uh, the largest made to measure menswear brands. High quality suits made to your exact measurements. You get a customized. You can customize your suit just the way you want it. I mean, honestly, on the inside of my pocket, first of all, on the inside of my jacket, it's like real cool psychedelic butterflies, and then on the pocket, I have. Uh, Clemson kicks Gamecock ass. It's funny, nobody sees it, but I know that little joke is there. Uh, You can place your order and and wait for it to arrive in just four weeks after submitting your body measurement. This week, listeners, you get any premium Indochino suit For just $389. Now, for those of you that are into clothes and suit shopping and all that stuff, you get just how low this is. The price is unbelievable. If you need a suit, you need to get it through Indochino for this price because you're just not going to find prices like this anywhere else. So go to Indochino.com. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. And uh, when entering Bad Christian at checkout, you get this price. So that's 50% off the regular price, 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit, and the shipping's free. So Indochino.com, promo code christian for any premium suit for just $389 free shipping. Incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything ever that you would find off the rack.
0: Very good. Thank you, Joey. All right, let's see if we can get Jason.
2: I'm trusting in the Lord. Jason.
3: Yeah.
0: So you're in Seattle, right?
3: Yeah. Um, my publicist said that you guys are in Ballard, and I thought, shoot, if we had if, if we had put our heads together, we could have done this in person.
0: No, I know, and I like doing them in person, but I didn't realize where we were on the calendar date, so I didn't think of that until earlier today. So in any case, too bad. We'll have to hang out sometime soon, but thank you for joining us tonight on
3: the show. Yeah, my pleasure.
0: So let me catch you up on what we've been talking about already, uh, and that is... Um, you know, and you intersect with this in a little bit of a different way in your podcast, Drunk Ex-Pastors. And we've had you on, we had you on before. I don't know what it was. It was probably a hundred and something episodes ago. It was a year or two ago when you were on last, right?
3: It was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that conversation was really good and really popular. Um, And so what we've been discussing today is the way that we feel, even in the last two years, I really feel like the Christian culture and evangelicalism has changed a lot and maybe even been more polarized and moved in some bizarre ways, but I also feel like the counterculture and the difference to that and the alternative voices have really come alive and been louder and 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 more so, in fact, we had a piece on NPR where NPR was covering our podcast. And in that podcast and in that interview, uh, you guys came up, too. And I'm sorry that you didn't get on the NPR feature, but they were asking about you guys and what you were doing, too. Did you know that?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I saw that.
0: So, uh, you know, so, yeah, you were tagged in the at least the blog post on NPR or something, weren't you?
3: Yeah, yeah. They mentioned uh, Drunk Ex-Pastors in there, along with Rob Bell and mm-hmm. uh, you guys and Science Mike.
0: So congratulations to us all then, right? Yeah, right. What What do you make of this? I mean, are, are we starting to break loose some stuff? I mean, what's, what's happening in Christian culture, would you say, in the last few years?
3: Well, I mean, I think that the existence of podcasts, um, you know, as an extension of the Internet seems to be, a real kind of, um, de type of, uh, phenomenon, you know, like it used to be the case that you could just go to one of a few places, whether we're talking about news or whether we're talking about Christian, um, stuff, uh, it seems that there's so many more voices now and there's been a kind of democratization of, uh, information that, you know, people can, um, Talk about things. That's one of the things that we at Drunk Ex Pastors hear a lot. Is that, and I'm sure you guys do also. Um, you guys talk about issues that um, I've wanted to talk about for so long, and I've wondered about for so long, but never felt like there's a safe place to do it. Yeah. And you know, that's. I think that's one of the the um, good things about podcasting is you know it it gives rise to opportunities to discuss hard things, things that people want to talk about. But don't feel like they can
0: that's the weirdest thing is that you feel somehow, even though we know there's tens of thousands of people listening to this talk right now, somehow this is still easier than just finding somebody at your local church and talking to them. Is that true? like me talking to you right now somehow is easier than going to a pastor at my local church or a person in my community group is that
3: true well i th- I think it's true that the people who are tuning in to listen to this that it's easier for them because Uh, you know, you can, if you're, if you're wrestling with some aspect of your faith or whether it's one of the things I talk about in my book or some other issue, um, you know, you can dabble and explore, uh, anonymously and behind closed doors if you want to. I know I've, you know, I, a lot of the things I've discovered, um, in over the course of the last 15 years of my life have, have been the result of, you know, finding information online, whether it's in the form of a podcast or an article or a website. Um, it gives people a chance to explore things that they want to talk about or learn about without having to, you know, come out of the closet as it were, mm-hmm. uh, and ask and ask a real flesh and blood person.
1: Now, now Jason, what do you say to people that just say, ah, oh, you just drink too much. That's why, <laughs> that, that's why you're talking all this crazy shit. Like you, uh, it's, uh, You know what I mean? Like, like you were a pastor and then you changed from what Presbyterian to Catholicism. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And and, uh, along the way, like you enjoy a good uh, adult beverage, but I mean, is that like, what, what does, what this big conversion that you've had and this big change and not being a pastor anymore and writing this book about faith and all that stuff, where, where does that come from? Where's this desire to talk to people or in some way what you're doing, it seems like is maybe sharing the gospel, right?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm a always been an intellectually curious person, you know? Um, And I was talking to some other guys on a different podcast the other day and sharing with them about how that for me um, there was the conversion out of Protestantism into Catholicism. And that was mostly about ideas and theology But then I've also, and I talk about this in the book, in the intro a little bit, um, I've also changed a lot existentially as far as um, not feeling threatened by opposing ideas or things I don't understand, not feeling like I need to convince anybody of anything, not caring if I'm right anymore, Um, you know, these are, you know, these changes are are in many ways, more radical than the change to Catholicism, because that was more about ideas. That was more something that was happening outside of me. Whereas, you know, um, th- this process I've been going through over the last couple of years, it just really transforming me from a really polemical, argumentative, debating kind of guy that I was to someone who's really okay with different voices, different perspectives, differences of opinion, and that kind of thing.
2: Now, do you think that that comes from just a realization that there's no way of knowing that you're right? Is that where that stems from? Yeah.
3: I mean, it's it's realizing that it's on one level, it's just folly even to open our mouths and and say anything about God, let alone open our mouths to say that we alone are correct, or my group or my denomination, or my my little tribe of people alone have this stuff figured out. Um, the more You know, for me, coming out of Protestantism and and the ministry into into the Catholic Church was really humbling because it, you know, it um, showed me that I uh, there's a lot I don't know, and the more I study a subject, the more I realize that it goes way deeper than I thought, and it kind of just displays that folly of thinking that I can really get to the bottom of any of this. And so I just reached a point, you know, in my own life where I just thought, you know, what I'm okay with the ambiguity, I'm okay with the unknowing, I'm okay with the question marks. Kind of hovering there in the air, I'm cool with that. And there, there are a couple of places in the book where I, I, I say something, and I say, now, how would I reconcile this with um, the teaching of Scripture? I, I don't know. I, I don't okay. know, and I'm okay not knowing that. And uh, and if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm okay with that too.
1: So, so what is your foundation now? Then, like, if you if you're your go to with faith and spirituality and everything? Like what, what, what would you say? Why do you keep believing?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I say in the intro that I'm this close to saying I don't believe anymore at all, but I can't. Um, I, I think that, you know, um, I'm haunted by God. I think God, I, I think that there's something to that. And even when he doesn't act like I think he should, or even when the ways I've, sought to understand his involvement in the world or in my life have turned out to be wrong or miss you know mistaken i still can't um bring myself to deny that that there's something more to what we see around us than simply what we see around us that there is something more to nature there's there's super nature mm-hmm. um that there's something more to the physical world namely a spiritual dimension you know and um, I, I may not be a very good example of Christianity or a very good Catholic, and, and that's that's fine. I think ironically on some level, especially when it comes to Christianity, doing it wrong is a kind of indirect way of doing it right um, because it's about grace, because it's not about perfect performance. Um, that's, the Bible
0: seems to support that as yeah, far as right? the accounts they've <laughs> decided to record at least.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it and it seems to qualify all of us um by our very failures were ironically qualified for this.
1: And that's really interesting though. Do y'all think that in today's Christian culture that anybody would really be like pro one of the 12 disciples like would like mm. would would the evangelical south love Peter? No, they wouldn't like any of them. <laughs> no, they they would, they would <laughs> talk any so Bible much shit about it would
0: him. not be regarded highly in our society. Isn't that crazy? Pharisees, though. Pharisees, yeah. Were some Pharisees, Indian. some yep. Pharisees would be able oh, to make the to pull yeah. a power play and have a platform. I'm sure, if
1: the Pharisees still existed, yeah. they would be president.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. so what I'm kind of curious about is, especially making the the leap to Catholicism, it makes kind of a point that resonates with me, although I don't necessarily. Resonate with Catholicism itself and it's leaving evangelicalism is very interesting to me. And I've almost come to the place where I would say I'm an ex evangelical to some and i don't i don't have a new category oh, that i'm no, in man. but what I'm, and here's why i say that the same as the political parties i feel like um the religious communities or evangelicalism i believe those things change i mean what was a liberal and what was a conservative in the 60s is not the same today and what's it, what sure. made an evangelical in the 90s isn't in the 2000s isn't the same today i feel like the movement in itself has grown smaller I don't mean to be oxymoronic there, but it's like grown smaller and isolated itself more and become even more polarized in some goofy ways that I feel like the movement may have left me, or that's the way I feel. I don't know if that's true or I could back that up or prove it. But you went so far as to leave Protestantism.
3: Yeah, um, you know, I, I think in many ways, um, I, I mean, I think the label evangelical um, is is a meaningless label. I mean, any any. Group big enough to include Pat Buchanan and R.C. Sproul,
2: yeah,
3: um, is is just so broad that it has no meaning. Uh, you know, um, I, I think personally, I think the label it was created for political purposes, so that we stop talking about mm-hmm. X amount of Episcopalians think this, or this amount of Baptists think that. But you can lump them all together uh, in this really huge umbrella, and then have a big voting block that looks impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me leaving Protestantism, yeah, it was, it was scary. I mean, it was like everything I had known, almost all of the relationships in my life were somehow connected to either my church, my seminary, um, and, and just, it it had been, you know, my life since I was a high school, you know, kid. So leaving was really hard. Um, and it's not been easy. I'm not going to lie. It's been a rough go and I share about it in the book, um, you know, it's been, um, it's been a major battle. But, uh, and getting back to your point about where kind of Christian culture has, has evolved to, um, I think people prize uh, authenticity and genuineness and sincerity now. I think those things are looked upon as being way more important than they used to. And for me, it's been a great comfort to, you know, even though I've struggled um, I feel like I am, and I feel like this book reflects my Mm -hmm. authentic self.
0: And the book is Misfit Faith, but could you get, could you be specific there and tell us like what's been one of the struggles or pains of of having, you know, left Protestantism that's in the book?
3: Yeah. I mean, part of it is, um, just livelihood. You know, I I was a pastor. I, I made good money as a pastor, um, I didn't ever have to worry about, you know, putting food on the table or paying the bills or anything like that. Um, but walking away from that, um, you know, cause I was uniquely unqualified for anything else. Um, and coupled with that was this idea that, you know, because my views have changed and because I'm no longer all that polemical and interested in being an apologist, then I, I wasn't really interested in, in, in kind of doing the Catholic speaking circuit, you know, conference speaker circuit thing at all. Um, you know, so it, it was, it was just kind of stepping into the unknown. And, um, you know, if you would have told me, you know, the, the day before I quit, you know, if you would have said, this is what things are going to look like in three years. Um, you know, I would have, I I still would have done it. (laughs) I still would have pulled the trigger, but it would have been like, a major gut check moment because I just, I did not expect it to be as hard as it has been.
0: So you're saying the way things are right now still ain't so great.
3: Um, it's, it, it ain't so great. Um, you know, it's better. Um, drunk ex pastors, uh, you know, is making some money and we're able to, um, you know, uh, pay ourselves a little bit here and there. Um, it's certainly not um, paying the bills completely. Um, but the book, you know, book at the writing, I do mentoring, uh, as well. And speaking, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, cobbling all those things together, I can, I can, you know, scrape by, but it's not, it's not been easy and it's still a challenge, but, uh, it's a very welcome challenge.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you ever think, man, I blew it? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> like, like, could you, like, do you ever think, man, I should have just held it together. I could have just met, you know, Kep, kept my IRAs and all that stuff and just kept going like it. Like, do you think what you are right now is the modern day? We were talking. I was making fun of disciples earlier, but like, are you a modern day disciple that is sacrificing everything for truth? Do, do you feel that way at all?
3: Uh That that sounds way too heroic. <laughs> um. <laughs> They're called
2: the drunk ex pastors, man. That's true.
3: <laughs> well, I I'll tell you what, I never um, I I mean I never think I wish I had not quit. But in my in my darkest times I think, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back and say it was all a it was all a trick. I was going undercover to find out what these Catholics are doing. Mm-hmm. I'm back. I'm here <laughs> to I'm funny. here to t- yeah, I'm going to write an expose and tell my story and make a documentary and and just cash in that way.
0: Catholics are horrible. You don't even know by Jason Stillman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Toby was talking about how if you're an atheist, you might as well just get into the mega church market and make some money, man. I mean, just be persuasive, talk about Jesus, get people fired up and make a lot of money.
1: No one understands what you're talking about, Joey, so I'll clarify that. What Joey's talking about... (laughs) is I think if, uh, somebody doesn't believe in God at all, they should just start a church for sure. So you probably, I mean, where you're at right now, I think there's probably enough people that you, have you thought about that? Like just starting a church for people where you're at?
3: Well, the the problem is that, you know, when you're a Catholic, you kind of think that there already is a church that jesus started and you're not supposed to run around starting new ones
1: yeah um are you a catholic do you you think of yourself still as a catholic yeah yeah
3: i mean i'm not very i'm not very good at it but um catholicism is really easy to be bad at but you know uh, my favorite (laughs)
1: so wait 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 so you you, i mean in any other situation nobody would say that like if you don't if you don't actually go for jogs in the morning, you don't yeah, go, like yeah, a, I'm
2: just bad. I'm yeah. bad at jogging. Yeah,
0: LA
1: Fitness <laughs> is easy. Nobody
2: ever
0: calls me if I don't show up to work out. I love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but
1: but you can do that with religion,
3: right? Yeah, you can just be bad at it, you know. But, here, but here's, here's my favorite line from G.K. Chesterton, and I, I start out the book with this. G.K. Chesterton said, um, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Yeah. And uh, I think that that is true. And and I, as I said earlier, there's an ironic sense in which doing Christianity poorly is the way to do it well, because it's about it's about grace. It's not about yeah. law. It's not about being perfect. It's about um, being human and, and being okay with our humanity, with our weakness, with all the things, the, the material things that you know, much of evangelicalism is so afraid of, you know, the physical world and the flesh and all this stuff. Um, but last I checked, Christ assumed a human nature and human flesh. And so, um, so much for being afraid of nature, so much for being afraid of humanity. We ought to embrace these things because Jesus did. Mm -hmm. So, so
1: where, where are you seeing God now in, in, in this walk? Like you're kind of out there, you're putting yourself out there. You've written a, a book, kind of uh, revealing, you know, it's it's, it's partly autobiogra- autobiographical, at least a little bit. And, and so, where do you see God now? Like, where what is say a normal day for you? For a normal day for Jason, where, where does God show up? Yeah,
3: that's a good question. Um, I I see God in um, the love of the stranger, the love of the other, the love of your neighbor, the love of your enemy. Um, you know, John says God is love in first John four. Um, and so I certainly see validity to the idea that we love God indirectly by loving our neighbor and by loving our enemy. Um, but I also talk in the book about, um, you know, just kind of cultural artifacts like film, um, uh, music, TV, you know, movies, and these kinds of things. Um, you know, so much of evangelicalism is, is, you know, they're very Gnostic. And so they're afraid of, of the physical world and they consider, you know, anything, anything, uh, any cultural product as being a threat, which is why you have contemporary Christian music, right? Because you can't just listen to regular music. you got to have your own radio station with your own yeah. Christian artists. Um, but I think once you get past that, and I think that's, that's a Christological error, you know, um, actually. Um, but once you get past that, um, then you can actually, I mean, I can find God in a film or a piece of music that I love, that I return to often and listen to because it, it, you know, it stirs something deep in me that God put there. And the thing about misfit faith that's nice is that you're not running around constantly threatened by or scared of, um, the world and and the world around you, but you can actually embrace these things and you can find God in them.
2: So what, what about Catholicism that product it, like what was the draw? Is it the Catholicism have stuff that Protestantism did not, or is it the lack of stuff? Like, what is it? I mean, it's, they still believe in Jesus. They still believe in the need for an atonement, the worship of the God of the Bible. I mean, what's what's the big jump here?
3: Well, the big jump, and I talk about this in the first chapter, is the emphasis on the Trinity and the fatherhood of God, you know, because as a Protestant, of course, I believed in the Trinity, but the Trinity, this idea that God is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit, um... The Trinity basically served to um, use to argue with Mormons if they showed up at the door, right? That's what the yeah. Trinity was for. It was something that I would pull out of my pocket and hit hit um, Mormons over the head with or Jehovah's Witnesses. But it wasn't something that functioned in my life in any kind of powerful way at all. Um, God, for me, especially as a, I was a pretty hardcore old school Presbyterian, right? And so God was a, a creator and a judge. I mean, God made you, he gave you his law, man sinned and rebelled and uh, made himself uh, susceptible to divine retribution. But then Jesus came and was the law keeper, and then he suffered on the cross and took the father's anger out on himself so that God could get forensically, judicially pardon us in the courtroom of heaven, right? That was the gospel. I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's, it's not, it's not like it's wrong, or it's not like there's, you know, um, th- that's not drawing from biblical stuff. But what for me, Catholicism did was was show me that God, what God actually is at the end of the day, is a father. God, that's what God has eternally been as a father. And if that's the case, then it really throws a wrench into your system, you know, and I was the kind of person who didn't like wrenches being thrown in my system at all. But um, this idea that God might actually be a better father than I am to my kids and um, that God might also be more patient with with my shortcomings than I am with my own children's shortcomings, um, this was very transformative. And it really changed the way I think about God and by extension, how I think about myself.
2: That's interesting. So, you found that lacking in your Protestant faith? That's, that's... There was
3: always a chapter in all my systematic theology books about it, but yeah. it wasn't something that functioned significantly on a practical level at all. For, for me, anyways, I can only speak for myself, you know?
2: Yeah, because I, I was, I mean, I was obviously super young, but I was a Catholic through the third grade but I still have memories of just like, it seemed like Catholicism focused a lot on the do's and don'ts. Like I, like I would say Catholicism to me is on par with the unhealthy Pentecostalism that I was a part of. It was like, yeah, we believe in grace. We believe in God, Jesus, Holy spirit, but you better work your ass off man and earn your keep because you know, you just never know what's going to happen when you die. And do you come into contact with an overemphasis of, law and do's and don'ts in Catholicism
3: yeah I mean it's so it's so big there's like a billion and a half of them you know so it's, yeah. <laughs> there's there's um, so many different stripes <laughs> and different different emphases depending on where you are right. um, but that's that was what I was getting at earlier about you know when I became Catholic it wasn't like my own journey ended or my exploration or curiosity ended um, so I am not that kind of Catholic at all. yeah. And to whatever degree, you know, to whatever degree I'm supposed to be and I'm Mm -hmm. not, then to that degree, I'm just not, I'm not doing it right. But I'm okay with not doing it right if that's what doing it right has to look like. But I don't think, I don't think,
0: you know, I don't think that Catholics and Protestants ought to get along at all. And from my view, I don't see any, I mean, I know we do get along and i don't got no problem with Catholics, but if you think about it, it seems like we should be pretty opposed to each other. I would say it's similar to, um Kurt Cobain and Grunge versus uh hair metal right like you there was at <laughs> yeah. some time when it was like Axl Rose and Vince Neal were the guys, and then you had uh, Martin Luther, which would be Kurt Cobain, and he said, this is everything in reaction to what y'all are doing. Yeah, we're both using right. guitars and distortion and stuff like that, but this is way different, and everything we're doing is because of what y'all are doing that's so stupid, and that's what Martin Luther said, and so then you shouldn't be able allowed in 1994 to say, oh, I love Guns N' Roses and Nirvana. You shouldn't be able to say that. You should be one or the other. I feel like Catholics and Protestants you know, you think it, you must think Protestants are punk asses that, you know, got it wrong. <laughs> Matt it is just what you got it. <laughs> Here, here's the
3: thing though. Here here's the thing. Um, you know, the thing about Catholicism is it it it's refuses false dilemmas and either ors. And so you know it, it's it's way more of a Protestant thing. What you said was very Protestant in a sense. Is it's it, it, it's it's either this or that. It's either grunge or it's hair metal. It's poison. Yeah. Or it's poison band, or right?
0: Nirvana. You sure choice. I mean, you're, I mean, Catholics are poison. You know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we do have a lot. Skip there's rough. a lot of smoke. There's a lot of smoke at a Catholic mass, which is kind of kind of rock, you know. Yeah, it's
2: totally so glam. So are, are Catholics more mystics? Like, just kind of, you know, they just accept. Eh, there's mystery. We don't get
3: it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a strong mystical tradition in Catholicism.
2: Yeah, I like that.
3: But, you know, it's funny because um, before the 1960s, what you're describing is exactly how it was. I mean, I think Catholics had no patience for Protestants, and they were— um you know they're in, they're they're not in real churches and they're not even saved and they don't even have you know all the, the 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 sacraments and all this but after the second vatican council in the 1960s the catholic church has radically changed its stance toward people of other faiths including protestants but people of other faiths and i think pope francis is kind of a, a, a embodiment of that sort of new way of being catholic where um, you know, it's not about, you know, holy war anymore. Um, now when I was a Presbyterian, you know, Presbyterians have no patience for Catholics at all. I mean, it was like, no, you're, those guys don't know the gospel. They're, yeah, they're
2: not Christians.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Christians. Um, but yeah. I found that, um, you know, Catholics have way more patience for Protestants the same way Lutherans like Presbyterians or, uh, Presbyterians like Lutherans way more than Lutherans like Presbyterians. You know, it's yeah. just one of those weird things. I don't know.
1: It's weird, though, in movies, like all you were talking about, like, making money now and stuff like that. You probably spend a shitload of money on candle lighting, yeah, right? Like candles, candles and just lighting like that. Is that all you do now with your time?
0: <laughs> Insane With your faith. Yeah.
1: In every movie, any Catholic lights a candle constantly.
3: Dude, I actually do light candles, but I have always <laughs> lit candles like I've, I dude every night. I'm not even kidding. Every night I light two or three candles and pour myself a drink. And sit down and I watch TV and by myself, and it's like. Uh, but I've been doing that way before I was Catholic. It's I would probably go with hey, one, hey, two, three, the,
1: or four drinks. Yeah. Personally, I, I think that's awesome. It sounds really sad and lonely, but I do think that's awesome. Now, what I, <laughs> what I wanted to ask is your your podcast is called Drunk Ex Pastor. So,
3: how much
1: drinking do you do?
3: We, um, well, first of all, when when my co-host Christian, um, who's the agnostic one, when he He's the one who came up with the name, you know, and I was just kind of coming out of my church life. And I'm just like, dude, I'm going to get like, I'm going to get <laughs> crucified if, if I call my podcast drunk ex-pastors. And to this day, my mom, my mom doesn't like the name. you know, she doesn't, doesn't like it. Um, But we, what we do is we, um, we pour a drink and it's basically what we're doing is, is hitting the record button on conversations that we were having anyways. I mean, we've been, he and I have been having friends since high school. We've been hanging out, um, you know, having having some drinks, having some laughs, talking and stuff for years. And we just decided to record it. But we'll we'll uh, we'll pour a cocktail and we'll do a shot in honor of the people who share us on Facebook and Twitter and everything. (laughs) Um, And then we'll we'll drink our first drink and then we'll take a break. Forty five minutes in, we'll make another drink and then we drink our second drink on the second half of the show. So we're we're not drunk at all. It's like if you've listened to us, we're not like drunk all at right. all.
2: Yeah, <laughs> welcome to the
3: podcast. <laughs> and another thing, yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, I, before before we leave Catholicism completely, I, I seriously am curious about this. Like, do you respect and revere Mary a lot more now than you did?
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand like intellectually um, the reasons why Catholics have that strong Marian devotion. Um, and I respect it, you know, um, yeah. and in a, in a sense, it's, uh, you know, in a sense, it's, it's an answer to the world and the culture who says that the church oppresses women.
2: Oh. And of
3: course, um, you know, Chesterton has a line where he says, yeah, according to the culture of the church oppresses all women, except one whom they adore too much. Um, but I don't, it never, I mean, it never really took with me, you know, so I, um, I never like I've read books about Mary, and um, I, I recognize, you know, that there's something about Mary. Ah, <laughs>
2: no pun intended. <laughs> nice,
3: but I, I, I never that that aspect of Catholic devotion never really um, took with me, and so um, you know, I I have that respect for for those ideas, but I don't sit around like with a, I don't have a statue of Mary anywhere, and I don't. Um, do you
2: know the Hail Mary?
3: I know the Hail Mary, but it's been a I haven't prayed a rosary in uh, quite a while. Okay. So I suck at praying though, so that's that's part of the problem. Do you go
2: after in, in your book, do you go after like modern day church structures, especially like megachurch? Uh, by go after, do you even do you address it? Because I'm sure you're not down with, you know, a lot of what's going on in modern day churches. Well,
3: only only insofar as it affected me. You know, because yeah. like I said, the book is not about arguing one thing over another. Um, and so I talk about how I fared as a zealous megachurch evangelical and, and the, the the things in my life that that changed and where I grew out of certain certain attitudes and whatever. Um, but and you're right, I, I a lot of what goes on and, you know, um, what passes as as American Christianity to me is is you know, the farthest thing from Jesus I, I can think of, but I don't really go, I, I don't really address it in the book. Cause the book is more, um, it's not an attack book, you know, I'm not, right. I'm not going, going after anybody. So,
1: Hey, so the book is called misfit faith and, uh, it's out now. When is it out? It came out today. Nice. Boom. Now is it, is this your first book or that's uh, my what? third
3: book? Third. I wrote a book called dual citizens and I wrote a book called the destiny of the species, um three years ago and six years ago um uh, but this this is the one i'm the most proud of you know for sure
1: nice well that sounds like i've been in a band for a long time and that sounds the same like the newest book you're the most proud of the other ones that you talk shit about. But, <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs>
1: but I believe it. It would suck
3: it. if your newest one was the worst, you know?
0: Right, right, exactly. You should read my old stuff. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. So it's available on hardcover and Kindle. And it came out today. And I'm telling you, people must like it. And have already got it and burned through it because Jason, there's six of them used starting at $11.17. Nice. <laughs> Seriously? So people, somebody's already got it, read it, and put it back for
3: sale. So
0: let's keep
1: them Hell waiting, yeah.
3: everybody. I don't know. As, yeah. as, as long as people buy it, that's all I care about.
1: <laughs> all right. It's Misfit Faith by Jason Stellman. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. We're excited for you and uh, what's going on with Drunk ex-pastors, and this book, so uh, thank you for joining us, dude. Hey, my pleasure, fellas.
0: We appreciate it, Jason. Okie dokie. Alright. Very good. Jason Stelman from
2: Drunk Ex-Pastors, everybody.
0: All right. now, I know. Love, I
1: love it when people uh, proclaim their uh, alcohol. Like you know what I mean? Like it's such a negative thing to really like promote alcohol. Like you know you know what I mean. Everybody. Yeah, looks you down probably would like
0: it. the shout your abortion movement too. Then right? You like that one? Come on.
1: <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's I they, learned that, they
0: have that. You know, I learned that shout learned your that abortion, abortion or whatever it is. They have that. They do. I'm not real? making that
1: up. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Wait, what are you talking about? There's a tweet. People
2: tweet their
0: abortion. What is it called? Is it not called shout your abortion? Am I wrong? Does anybody not know that?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Joey, it, Joey, do you know that? It, um, anytime I hear the word abortion, I just close my ears. <laughs> no, I'll look it up. I just vomit.
0: That is, I'm sure it's a thing. It's, it's, it's called t- tweet my abortion or shout my abortion. I'm not making, I'm not even trying to make fun, I, but...
1: Well, I, I was just trying to talk about alcohol, and then you took it to a really dark place, so thanks, man. <laughs> but I you like it like, when people proclaim I was it. just saying I like Miller Lite, and all of a sudden, my friend Matt, who I've known for years and years and years, <laughs> has to take it to the darkest possible no, place. No, I'm just saying start say your I own hashtag,
0: like Drunken proud, but with, with Toby Murrell or something. You know, I get it.
2: You're sick. But Matt <laughs> Matt, real real quick, what I wanted to tell you about the Mars Hill interviews and you know just just what hey, we're uh, re- planning also on doing. also
1: real quick, once again, killer segue. Killer transition <laughs> into this. T-
2: Oh, I'm not even trying to transition. Did you know, okay? Know, we get, get to it. that,
0: did you catch Toby trying to uh, take a screenshot of you with your leg hair up took, in the air in the middle of the drunk egg it. interview? It's on, it? <laughs> it's on the BC Club.
1: It's on the BC
0: Club right now. There was
1: a, we're trying to do an interview, and there's also there's three, leg there's four, hair. There is four people on the interview, and then also a giant hairy pasty white <laughs> knee, also involved in the interview. <laughs> it's unreal okay all right get back I had to, to what you scratch to knee. see i
2: had to scratch
1: no but here's yeah, jason's film was really good but speaking of morris hill <laughs>
2: <laughs> go ahead joey i'm li- i am listening sorry joey no you're not so sorry ba- i'm
0: listening nope. i'm i promise nope. i'm listening i will not interrupt you And toby will not No, nope, i'm gonna i'm gonna toby, l- i'm gonna leave no joke i'm gonna leave toby seconds. on that limb you can mute Toby. I'm listening, Joey. I'm listening. No, I want to hear about Toby's commute. <laughs> Don't stonewall me. If you're gonna lose Let's it, we're gonna go to true. news soon. If you got something to say, I would like to hear it. I'm with you. I wanna I wanna hear the news. Let's hear the news. Okay, true. that's it. We're going to the news then. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: In a world where you say something, and for the first time ever, a pastor closes his mouth and chooses not to speak, <laughs> it's the first time in the history of the world, <laughs> my name is Toby Morrell, and I'm the damn truth. Not, I'm telling the damn truth. I am the damn truth. That's kind of a game
2: changer. It is. That's a little bit of a game did changer. Did you feel well, anything when the guy who... Did re- God
1: tell you that? God told me to tell y'all I'm the truth. Just now? <laughs> yeah that <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! This first news comes from Fox, which we all know is the truth, right? Yep. I mean, er- so everybody got no has no reason admit. to dispute it. I mean, the other ones are just they, fake. They, yeah, Fox has Altern- never given us any thing, any, yeah.
0: re- any reason to doubt or dispute what they have said.
1: And, and I mean, of course you would trust Fox News Science, <laughs> right? I, I I don't know where else you would
0: possibly get any good information.
1: Scientists have a plan to bring back Mars's, is it Mars's or Mars' ocean? I think just Mars. Just Mars it feels like it should be Mars's. Like, yeah, I guess you're right. It wouldn't be Toby's bike. It would be Toby's bike. So, okay. Uh, I thought I. I don't know if y'all will like this or not. Matt, you might like it. Joey, I don't know if we're on good footing right
2: now. So, I don't can't know if you're going to like sure this about it, that. Yeah,
1: I can't say for sure if you'll like this no matter what uh and Oh, it, whoa,
2: whoa, back up! I don't even know what you're talking about. Good footing. Because well, I don't, it, you know, I interrupted you earlier, and I feel like oh, you know, I just gave up. He's moved I'm not on. Mad? He's moving on. You have moved on. on. Moved on? You think I'm upset with you? Then that's on you. What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh shit! It is on me. Oh shit! It's on you, dog. <laughs>
0: it's on me. <laughs>
1: it's you carrying that. Joey told you me that. had
2: me. You had me at Mars. Let's hear
1: it. Well, uh, Joey told me a long time. I don't know if y'all know this, but Joey, you know, we used to have, have, when I worked at Seacoast church, we would have pastoral meetings and he would tell me like, I would, I would come to him cause we'd had, you know, he was my, my head pastor. So we'd have meetings and he would, I would t- be able to reveal to him in those meetings some things I was struggling with. And he would tell me like, whenever I said, uh, something, you know, like something was going on with my wife, he would always say it's on her.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right just
1: line. like yeah, he would say it's it's on like he just told me it was it's on you because he was right, like it's on me, he's totally fine right now, but he would always tell me no matter what, whenever anything would happen with Jess and I, it's on her he would that not got say you
2: through some tough marital oh problems, my god you, you i I think you saved our marriage. It, it it caused her to stop arguing and, and she just stopped trying. Oh my I word. Mean, oh my which word. Which just no. opened she, the floodgates for you to just have a nice marriage. She no, she continues to argue unbelievable. It's it's almost
1: it's it's uh <laughs> it's incap it, it inca- it's incapacitating, but it but only way I make it through is when I hear your voice in my head. It's on her that's on her. <laughs> I mean she does I feel free. I mean I don't put the toilet seat down. I I waste coffee. I, all these bad things that I do. I just go, that's on you. That's on you. That's on, <laughs> that's on you, girl. <laughs> At a workshop in D.C. last week, scientists from the agency's planetary science division presented the possibility of erecting a magnetic shield around the red planet, Mars, to replace the one that has vanished more than 4 billion years ago and boost what's left of Mars's Mars' <laughs> atmosphere. The result of such a shield, according to researchers, would be protection from solar radiation and winds, which would which have worked over the eons to help strip the planet <laughs> of of its waters and warmth. The shield could therefore help terraform uh Mars terraform's a like a trendy word, isn't it mm-hmm. uh, Terraform Mars to more closely resemble Earth in the plan, some say is so crazy it might just work. The shield may be an inflatable one. Would be placed at the L1 LaRange point. It would hopefully, hopefully, thicken the atmosphere to the point where carbon dioxide ice at the planet's north pole would thaw, spur greenhouse gas warming, mm-hmm. and melt regular ice, which would restore up to one seventh of Mars's of Mars ocean. Okay, according to NASA, according to NASA estimates. So here's what I'm saying: everything I've ever heard. Greenhouse gases are bad. Well, now you're gonna tell. Now you're gonna tell me on another planet, if you could give another planet greenhouse gases, it would help the planet. Well, you tell me that. No, you tell
0: me that ain't some bullshit.
1: No, I tell you what it is. Man. Is
0: now while I don't disagree with any science that Fox Science has reported there, I'm shocked, especially from Fox, that our world is. G- this is how crazy we've gone now. Now we've. Have to dedicate a bunch of time, effort, and resources to climate change on another planet, right? I mean, it's it's that bad that we we got to we better put our time and effort into climate change on Mars, right? Not a, I know. Of course, it's bad enough here. We got to fix Mars now. I know. I mean, our <laughs> we 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 cannot fix our climate. No matter what, Don't even what. try it, here. Let's just start working yeah. on Mars and trying to get it to seventy two degrees. The red planet. <laughs> it, it, the one we're living on now, this third rock from the sun is a foregone conclusion. Let's try, let's at least try to get Mars in shape. Let's immediately I, I do know. that. Give them greenhouse gases. <laughs> it's the
1: wrong way to go. Now, here's the thing that I did think though. Wouldn't it be cool, like if you were living today and there was another planet that was totally habitable? Wouldn't you think that's just the coolest thing in the world? Like if there was just another planet with a New York City, And all that, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that be just the most amazing thing that you could think of? I I thought that today. I was like, that would be the coolest thing in the world if there was somehow travel there.
0: Like, would you travel there? No, I don't know. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said on Joe Rogan recently, and he had a really good point. Whatever whatever it would take to save this planet is still going to be way easier than going to another one and taking a billion people there or, or oh, yeah, 7 yeah. billion people For there. Sure. Because even if you could do that, only some people could go. Surely we're not taking 8 billion people to another planet. Right. So whatever you put your resources into, whether it be deflecting an asteroid, saving this planet, if you're going to terraform right. that, terraform this, I mean, there's almost no scenario in which it would make the resources would make sense to put elsewhere there really doesn't yeah. it, it, because what are you going to do you, you send a 100 people send a billion people i mean to some other place and when what would go into that just makes almost no sense really
2: uh, hey, well, how you mentioned asteroid how possible is it for an asteroid to hit earth without us knowing that it's going to happen way before we would know anything? but there, there are some scenarios
0: where we wouldn't be able to necessarily do anything about it like well, or, or well, in time, also, but though, still that you'd be better off to f- focus your technology on how to deal with that then yeah. get everybody off of this rock. Right. Doesn't make.
2: I mean, that's not going to well, make sense. I, I mean, I don't even think is, is that what people's approach is: getting everybody off. Or well, not necessarily for an humanity? asteroid, but for
0: whatever. No. If, if our climate goes up three degrees and every everything about human life changes, it's still not easier to go to another planet with billions of people. I mean, if there's if there's right. a such thing as terraforming, we'll, we'll terraform here. Whatever, put a glass right. dome like Total Recall or do something. I mean, the amount of resources involved in going. Millions of miles with billions of people just is never going to be the easiest solution. It just never is going to be the easiest one. Always fixing this one or deflecting the asteroid or saving the whatever it is. It'll always make more sense than <laughs> leaving. Well, probably. I think I agree with you. I, I don't,
1: maybe I don't. I don't know. I, like the human nature is to tear something up, make it really junky and, and then sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's our human nature, so no matter how much it costs, that's just our nature. Ge- we're going to so gentrify gen- Venus. All right. Now now the other thing, Matt, I don't know if you can explain it a little bit, but well, what does it mean like a magnetic field? What are they talking about there? It's basically just creating an atmosphere? Is that what this is? Like uh, create an atmosphere that apparently how do they how are they so sure that there was an atmosphere 4 billion years ago?
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they know, but I don't know. I don't doubt what they're saying because I don't think it's out of hand or nonsense. But I, I certainly don't know
2: the answer. I just assume. It, all right, there's so, uh, we'll uh, get uh, science Mike on here. No, yeah, we have science Matt. No, are you trying to are you, are you trying to coin
0: that phrase? No,
1: science, Mike, science Mike's going to be mad at you, Joey. If you knew, like, if it took one month, like you're a vacation person. Matt and I aren't really that good at vacation, but. If right. it was one month and you could go like the it, Mars has been terraformed and it's awesome and there's like a city there. Oh, it sounds fun. Like, I like that. Idea. Like you like you took like you took your kids to New York, Joey. Right. If it if it was a one month trip to Mars, would you think like yeah, it'd be worth it right now? Like if it yes. if you if you could afford it, you would take your kids for a month in the summer and go oh my to my gosh.
2: Now I I'm, I'm totally with you. Just the thought of like hanging out. It, Like, I even thought, like, I read something about Jupiter, how there's actual ocean, and I thought, what would it be like? We couldn't. We would die. But what would it be like to be swimming in an ocean on Jupiter? You'd be like, oh, my God. Like, that's just. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean,
0: there's a great, great, (laughs) great chance you would spend all of that resources and energy and fuel, and then when you found out the answer, you'd be like, yeah, it's like swimming at home. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, but no. it's just the concept would be it. moving <laughs> enough.
1: I, I know exactly. If Joey and I were on Jupiter swimming in the ocean, Joey would look at me and go, Can you believe right now we're on Jupiter?
2: <laughs> I would. <laughs> I know. I know you would. It'd be awesome. All right, I got Matt, one more. You wouldn't that wouldn't blow your mind to be
1: I'm swimming in. Going... I, 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 I'm totally with Joey on this. I do think to get to go to another planet, that like If somehow in 15 years from now, somehow they figure out we can go to Mars in a month, and uh, that does seem pretty amazing That in That's your life you man's got to, game You, 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 you got <laughs> You got to walk <laughs> on another planet Just to walk
0: on another planet Seems so amazing No, that doesn't mean anything to me I mean, I, it's something It's not nothing But I mean, it's just like <laughs> does
2: It doesn't mean anything to <laughs> me No, I mean I yeah, Look, I, look, on I, look a I love it and
0: I love science and the stars and all that stuff But I'm happy to just <laughs> think about it I'm not trying to go to Mars or nowhere like that I, I don't want to get on it I don't think it's safe I don't, I don't think you could experience the fullness of it It's like, like people it's like all the people in south carolina that think one day they're going to go to hollywood and see those stars with people's (laughs) handprints in them i mean it's just there's nothing to it (laughs) like i swear i walked on a beach on jupiter so what i've been i've been to hollywood there's nothing to it (laughs) you sound exactly like
1: my dad he would say that dude what am i gonna what, what am i gonna go to mars for we got oh, oh the has got an ocean. We got an ocean right here. You ever been to Myrtle Beach? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what my dad would say. All right, I got one more news for story for you here. Okay, I don't know if y'all know this about me. Y'all might know this. For the last probably five to ten to ten years, I've been entering the HGTV Dream Home Unreal. <laughs> like so, it it opens up at like near the last, at the very end of December till like towards the end of February so every day I log in to HGTV or what I go to the site and uh and then put in my credentials two times one my email one Jess's email and so and I never win it's just devastating not I'm not going I don't think I'm gonna win this year either the dream homes in Georgia I thought it was so awesome it's St. Simon's Island the one time I ran away from my home my intent was to go to St. Simon's Island I never did I didn't even make it past Spartanburg but Anyway, so uh, I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, could HGTV Dream Home Taxes spell the end of the dreams for winners? Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. the definitely. Dream- yeah, I know. Isn't this crazy? In the United States, uh, sweepstake prizes are taxed just like any other income. Whether you make $30,000 working at your day job or you win a $30,000 vacation, doesn't matter to the IRS. It's all treated as income. This is fine if you happen to win cash sweepstakes and can simply deduct the taxes from your winnings, but with vacations, other prizes, they're often uh, difficult to liquidate. The HGTV Dream Home Sweepstakes has an additional tax problem. Not only are you hit with the heavy tax bill because the IRS treats you as if you uh, made a few extra million dollars of salary that year, but if you choose to keep the house, it comes with its own costs. For example, you will also be paying sizable property taxes every year, and just paying the utilities for such a huge house can cost thousands Absolutely. every month. So, Of course. The, the, so, once again, this sucks because, it, Matt, you're yeah, right. Yeah, for sure, man. I, don't, I would never do that. Why would you waste your time? It's just going to be bad for you. Anybody that Anytime you win something, it's not good. But, Joey, you're with me, right? Like, Wouldn't it be cool as hell to win a mansion? Yeah. Like, Wouldn't it be worth the trouble? Taxes if you and said, utilities
0: you couldn't even handle. But
1: just win, just the just winning alone. Even if it meant you made
0: <laughs> just winning,
1: even if you made ten dollars, wouldn't it be worth it? I well, it don't seems think like so.
2: you could. It, I I think you could figure something out. If it's a mansion, then you can you can figure out some sort of community living or uh, reconstruct it to where there's parts of the house that's closed off and rent it out. I mean, you just make it work. Just, exactly. That's I, what I, the will say. This I, I will say this. Like, given that Priscilla, so a lot of these. Areas are just names to people, but these are the closest areas to downtown Charleston, given that Priscilla wants to stay in either West Ashley or James Island. I'm concerned that at some point they're going to have to figure out, uh, uh infrastructure for transportation, like a subway or something along those lines and taxes are going to make it unaffordable for someone like me to even live in my home. There's city. tons of ha- th- homes that- you couldn't afford to just pay the taxes in, and
0: and, and it's crazy. And the county I'm in is insane
2: already here and that's just that's what it is. And I think that happened to Boston residents at one point there are people that grew up in Boston and they had to move because yeah, of Yeah, I mean, it can size. outpace
0: people that own their homes outright some, in some in some cases. That's, taxes that's are crazy. insane, but there's the pr- the principle that I'm working on and I don't I don't have this totally supported yet, but I'm pretty sure that my philosophy would boil down to saying that nothing, you don't benefit from gaining anything you didn't earn. Something along that lines seems to be true. Right? I can't think of all the ways in and out of that yet, but lottery, of course. But, you know, you don't want to get paid double what you're worth. That doesn't work. You don't want a bunch of fans that don't really like your music. Uh, you could, you know, like you don't really want anything that you did didn't earn or aren't worth. I don't, I just don't think we're set up that way. So if I find $50 bill on the way to my car, yeah, I'll enjoy that. I'll, you know, I'll do something with it. So sure. In a negligible way, but in general, I don't deserve or need or want or won't benefit from a house that I couldn't afford or a car.
3: Right.
0: If you gave me a brand new car, that was a $75,000 white Corvette. That's probably, that'd be hilarious, but I don't think it would do me any good. I don't think it would benefit me really to have that thing it just would it would stick out it just wouldn't be right it wouldn't it wouldn't motivate me further it would just be this thing and i just believe that about everything you should create value and receive the value that you're worth. And I don't think there's anything else you want. I think on some end, welfare is, is disproportionate that way or winning the lottery on the other end is that way. I don't think it just is. Don't think it it just doesn't seem to work out to me. You you should just try to be what you're worth and get what you're worth. Well, I don't see the point in winning things or cheating things, or I don't think it works. If your parents give you a trust fund, doesn't seem to work. I don't know any other way around it. Well, I mean,
1: I have uh, Donald Trump. It sure does seem to be working out pretty good for him.
0: But yeah, well, uh, you could make a counter argument. These are out of balance, wacko. But I just it doesn't seem to me that when you get president. stuff that you didn't earn, it doesn't seem to be worth it. it doesn't seem Did to help we just help say anybody. he's the president. I mean, he is the president. I, I, don't, I don't. I think your <laughs> argument, does, which okay, if, would you want to be the president tomorrow? The answer should clearly be no. Nobody wants that. You wouldn't even want that. I mean, it's an out of balance thing to want. There's
1: there's plenty of people with trust funds that would like to be the president. But th- once again, this article comes from TheBalance.com, dot com, but they do make a good point. If you win something, just be smart. Get an accountant. Figure out what you got to pay, what you got to do. Like it doesn't have to be like. I I feel like you're being pretty dramatic. If you win something, it's the worst thing in the world. You could not the worst,
0: but I mean,
1: you could never handle it. But what what if you win? one hundred dollars and just yes i'm saying fifty dollars one success. of my friends
0: won a snowboard one time that's cool i mean but it really didn't matter like, uh, have didn't you ha- ever you know. won any money gambling and did it ruin your life no i didn't uh, say it ruin I mean, your life but proportionally the amount that you win it, you i mean it's only worth what it's worth like if i if I win two hundred dollars gambling then I, I suppose i can have fun with that sure but it can't to the degree where it could be a life changer is to the degree where it can be a life screw you up is what i'm saying so as long I as I Joey and cool, I feel really
1: super confident that we'd be totally ha- if if I won one million dollars right now, it would be it would be great. I yeah. wouldn't feel bad. I don't think it'd ruin my life. I'd be probably in
2: good shape. So yeah, that's it's just like me. it's it's like when Forrest, for, I mean Forrest Gump, he nailed my thoughts exactly. Yeah, but that wouldn't hold a candle to you earning a million dollars. To
0: be my point, it's not near as good as you earning a million dollars with the skill and opportunity that you developed and came through on. You you at least it would go that far. Earning a million dollars is better than winning a million dollars. At least you'd start there. It'd be so easy just to win a million dollars. <laughs> it would be you. You would be better set for your own future had you earned that million dollars. Is my point. My main point. All right. How anyway. about how about this? If you worked your ass off
1: for you know sixty hours a week, for, entering for sweet years, for <laughs> t- No, no, no. You 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 created a business and you worked mm. sixty hours yeah. to ninety hours a week. For 10 years and then you're a millionaire yeah does that feel better than walking into a gas station and then 30 minutes later you're a millionaire which one which person like the would you rather be going which, which, forward
0: would be the which one's the better feeling the though yeah
1: which person feels the most crazy
0: and best and amazing now, now afterwards oh, we're sure argue, the lottery but, winner but same as the person that looks at the best porno ever and got a prostitute that's way more exciting and feels good it ain't better Well, you're
1: you. right You're actually right. Porno and prostitutes are awesome. All right. That's the (laughs) damn news. Thank you so much. Now, I want to clarify or clear up. Joey, you were getting ready to say something about Mars Hill Church, and I want to hear what it was. I'm sorry I interrupted you, and I I would love to hear what you were going to say earlier. Is that your— All right, guys. That's the the podcast. Is that your blessing? Yeah.
2: That's your blessing?
1: It's my blessing. I like it. I like All right,
0: just if you want to wrap here, I will tell you I got a message back from Pastor Tullian.
2: Nice. yeah, what do you think he said? what did he say? He said, uh, I would love to guys that's yeah, I think it's, I, he I'd said love to
0: guys. thank you if it's okay, I'm gonna pass right now, currently enjoying a quiet <laughs> season. I won't read his whole message here, but he, <laughs> he's doing some personal work, but let's, Smart man. so you know Smart i I won't man. write the guy off I would love to talk to him I have Really, some deep or crit- critical questions I'd like to ask him. And I hope I do get to talk to him. So I'm not throwing him under the bus. And this is awesome that he's reaching out here. Maybe we'll talk offline. Maybe i will come on the podcast one day. But again, good work on your NPR thing, Toby. Thank you to the BC club, Joey. You've done great work lately talking to Jen Schmidt from Mars Hill. And and we're going to do a bunch more of interviews with people telling stories from that, um, BC club. Thank you guys because we're going to do some interesting stuff later this year, um, that you guys are funding. That is going to be great. So, a lot of good stuff going. And I really do feel like everybody keep it up. So BC Club, keep it up. Casual listeners, keep it up. Drunk ex-pastors, keep it up. Litter just keep it up. NPR, everybody keep communicating, keep talking, keep fighting, keep telling the truth. And I think these opportunists and the abuses and stuff will come to light and more stuff is going to get worked out the right way. When you hear real people talk about real shit It's working. It seems to be working Is is the only thing I would like to encourage and tell everybody don't give people the benefit of the doubt hang in there tell the truth ask the difficult questions we're getting somewhere that's what i feel and i really mean that
2: matt you had emotion in that there's like a little bit i believe it that's what i think it's a little bit but you had it there yeah all
1: right i guess we're done right is that what you
2: see y'all later (laughs) yeah man